Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Joe. I'm an elder here at Community Bible Church. I am very honored to be able to get up here and speak in front of you guys for a little bit this morning. Uh, so today we're going to continue on through our series in First and Second Peter. Uh, we are going to be in First Peter chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 6 through 9. So if you guys want to switch over there. Get into that text. Please stand for the reading of God and His Word, please. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it has been tested by fire, may be found to result in praise. In glory and the honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have not, though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with the joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Please pray with me. Father God, I thank you so much for this time that we can spend together going through your word learning about you and your character and who you are. Lord, let your words be heard today and nothing else. Thank you so much for your son and the mercy and grace that you show us, Lord. In your holy and precious name, amen. So just a quick reminder of kind of where we are in the Bible, right? We're in 1 Peter. So Peter is writing this letter. He's in Rome, right? Just a quick reminder, he's, it's about 60 to 68 AD, he's writing this letter to Christians, believers who are being persecuted, right? So this is what he's doing. So how many of us in life have ever faced a difficulty? Anybody? Anybody have a hard time? Something bad happened, right? Everybody has, right? Everybody has had a situation in life where they've come against something, a trial, a struggle, and you're like, man, why? Why is this happening? What is going on? So I think everybody in this room has experienced that. Um, just recently, my wife and I had gone through something that was a bit of a struggle. You know, tax season, right, is, is here. So we like to get our taxes done as soon as possible. And because my wife, you know, our, our situation at home, my wife babysits, we have somebody who kind of takes care of that stuff for us. We have an accountant that we work with. So he was an older gentleman and he, started that now his son has taken over the business and we had found out when we did our taxes this year that something was wrong and it wasn't looking good and there was a mistake that was made and it looked like we might potentially have to pay the penalty and it was a tough time for us we were we were nervous we were scared and we didn't really know what to do because we were like, it's the government, right? Like, it's taxes, it's a big deal. We didn't necessarily make this mistake, but it was happening. So we decided to, to just let God handle it. We prayed, we let him handle it, and we went through that. It was like a month, I think, that we kind of were just waiting to hear, and we didn't know what was going on where we, you know, we could potentially have to pay a bunch of money or even lose our home. And so after this, 
everything ended out okay. Everything worked out. It was good. God provided for us, which was awesome. And it was one of these things where after it was happening, I was like, oh my goodness, God is so good. And my, it, did, it changed something inside me where things increased. My faith in him increased. Because of this struggle that we went through, that's what it is. And as we look at this passage in 1 Peter, we see encouragement. This is a very encouragement passage, so I want you to kind of get in that frame of mind. For when we experience times of turmoil in life, we can fully understand that the difficulties we face are not to tear us down or destroy us. It's to build us up and to strengthen us and our faith in Christ. So let's look at verse 6. I'm just going to reread this again just to kind of freshen it up. In this you will rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So here Peter is calling the people to rejoice, right? He's calling them to rejoice in something. And he's encouraging those experiencing the hardship. Remember, these are people that are being persecuted for their faith. They're driven from their homes. They're being killed and hunted and being um, like sought after and told on like, hey, Jimmy over here is a Christian. Feed him to the lions. Right? So this is what Peter is telling them. You are going through these trials, but rejoice. And he's saying this because they are, these are things to not destroy them, but to build them up. And the interesting thing here in this passage I found out is that the term that he uses is meant to be your struggles will be brief, right? Not like you are going to have this struggle that's going to last till the end of your life, but these struggles are brief, okay? He is reminding these exiles that the trials come with purpose, right? So let's look at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Counts it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various, uh, trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So there's more evidence in Scripture about these trials and struggles that we go through, that they happen for a purpose. Right? Matthew chapter 5, verse 12 Jesus is speaking the Sermon on the Mount here. He is saying, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecute the prophets who were before you. Again, more encouragement, right? So here we have to understand that the sufferings we go through pale in comparison to this hope that we have in Christ. The eternal hope of life through Jesus Christ. The hope and trust in God's sovereignty is the reason that we can rejoice. That's why. That's why we rejoice. Right? Like Sam, last week uh, preached on uh, the earlier passage where in chapter, or verse 3, if you want to look there, if you're in First Peter already, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's it. That's it right there. The living hope that we have. That's why we can rejoice when we're going through these crazy things that happen. Because that's the ultimate hope. 
is Jesus Christ. And the hope is founded in our faith in him. So sufferings, they don't come without our faith being tested, right? And as we move on to verse 7, we'll look there uh, with me. So that the tested, so he's con- Peter's continuing on here. So the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through, is tested by fire. May be found in a result, praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So here Peter is using an, an illustration of gold, right? Man's, one of man's most precious metals, right? How many of you here has a piece of jewelry that has gold on it? Right? <laughs> it's precious, right? Gold is this precious metal. We use it for jewelry. It means something, especially in wedding rings or necklaces or earrings. It's an important thing, right? So I don't know. I was doing, uh, as I was going through this, I was kind of like looking at how gold is refined, and it's kind of crazy how it, awesome it is that Peter paralleled the testing of faith with gold because gold found in its natural form, doesn't, isn't just pure gold. It's not what it is that you have around your finger or around your necklace, right? There's other junk in it. There's other metals, there's like dirt and minerals and things like that. And how that is getting, uh, how it's made pure is through fire, right? Gold is heated up to 1,000, or yeah, 1,948 degrees. In this extreme heat, it melts down and it gets treated of those impurities. And then here, Peter is saying that faith is more precious than gold. That's the point he's making. And that like gold, our faith is tested to strengthen, right? To make more pure, right? And our faith is purified by those tests and trials that we come up to in life. So this is what Peter is saying to the believers who are dealing with this persecution, right? That this is the reason your faith is being tested to purify it, to strengthen it, to strengthen your faith in Jesus Christ. So God in his sovereignty uses these struggles. And this is what Peter is saying to the exiles. He's using these struggles to distinguish genuine, real faith in Christ from that superficial uh, profession of faith. God also uses trials to strengthen our faith. And we'll see that. Uh, in our, throughout, there's evidence throughout scripture here. Um, So Job, chapter 23, verse 10, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. Pretty awesome. Psalm 66, verse 10, for you, O God, have tested us, and you have tried us as silver is tried. Again, another parallel of a precious metal that is made pure uh, by being tested. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13. Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because be, it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And then Romans 2, verse 7. He will render each one according to his works, for those by patience and while doing seek the glory and honor and immortality he has given eternal life so like gold our faith is not naturally strong when we first accept the gospel right you think about it 
you accept Christ, right? And it's just not as strong or as pure. Our faith is made strong by these difficulties in life that we go through and knowing that God will carry us through. And he's the only one that can carry us through our struggles. And when we look at the other side of the valley that we go through, we see God is the one who had done this, who has carried us through the dark onto the other side. And that is when our faith is made stronger because we can look back. Like with our recent situation with our taxes, we look back and we're like, wow, God did that. God carried us through that. And how many of you guys ever been to like a doctor's office or somebody's house like in their bathroom and have seen the poem, The Footprints in the Sand, right? Anybody ever seen that, right? I've seen it a lot. I know a lot of people have it, um, but it's still powerful, right? And that was kind of reminded me of this was, you know, in there, the writer says he had his dream, right? And that he's talking, walking and talking with God. And then he looks back at the footprints in the sand and he sees behind him that there are times when he was walking with God that there's only one set of footprints. And he's like, what's the deal, God? I thought you were never going to leave me. And God says, listen, my child, those were times that I carried you. And it's a very powerful image, and it just, I think, goes so well with, with what Peter is saying here. Our faith in God's goodness and love is key in what we'll see in, in verse 8 here. Uh, moving, moving on. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believing in him and rejoice with the joy of it that is inexpressible and filled with glory. So here again, Peter is encouraging those who are in exile. Now he's encouraging these people who are second generation Christians. They aren't the ones that witnessed him. Like Jesus or Peter, he hung out with Jesus. He was one of Jesus' best friends. And Peter is telling you, listen, you guys didn't see what I saw. You guys didn't experience the things that I experienced but you love him anyway. These are people that either are just second generation that heard the story through someone else or people that just live so far away that there's no possible way that they could have met Jesus. And these believers love Jesus because they believed in the loving sacrifice in the gospel that Jesus died for them. Right? For God... Or for love, uh, Christ, the love of Christ produces love and joy in believers. The joy or the love of Christ was evident by the love and joy that they exhibited. Let's look at John chapter 20, verse 29. Jesus said to him, you have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. First John uh, chapter four, verse 20. For anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So John is making the comparison there of seeing and believing. So as believers, as people who profess to believe in Christ, we are to rejoice in our sufferings because of this glorious hope that we have in Jesus. 
the hope of eternity spent in the loving arms of our king. I mean, just think about that for a second. This, the life that we go through, the daily in and out, sometimes the good and the bad, pales in comparison to this glory that we're going to have in the future. Uh, But we must uh, here understand that Christ is our only hope for now, too, our focal point. That's what he's saying. Right now, the, Christ is the rock that we lean on when the struggles come and the temptations come our way. And that is central. That faith in Christ, relying on him in the now, is central to our salvation. Let's move on to uh, verse 9 here. Obtaining the outcome of our faith and the salvation of our souls. Okay. Sorry. Um, So here, Peter is saying something to these people who are struggling again. But wait. Yes, you have Christ now, but wait, there is more. Right? You know, like you kind of see on those commercials, you know, uh, like the... Uh, one, like on scene is seen on TV, like, but wait, you can get two for the price is one, but wait, there's more. So that's kind of what I imagine um, Peter is saying here because he gives more encouragement and more reason to hope, right? He's saying that we have a joy of hope in Christ, not only for now, but also for in the future. So this concept of the already, now, and the not yet that's coming, Right? The coming of Christ. The full realization or culmination of our faith happens when Christ returns. You know, that, that's the end game right there. That's the end of what's going to happen is that this full realization of our hope and the glory comes when Jesus returns and is victorious. Let's look at uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 22, when we talk about hope for a glorious future. But now you have seen, or have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit that leads you to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Right? So the hope, so this fruit that we have, this hope that we have in Jesus, our belief in Jesus Christ leads to sanctification, but then leads to eternal life, right? We can rejoice here. Remember, we can rejoice in in all these crazy things that happen, these struggles, these trials, the doubts, the temptations. We can rejoice in the fact that our hope for the future rests on Christ and our returning King. Our faith in him leads to a life that is eternal, complete, and perfect. And we have to remember this. I don't know how many times that, you know, I'll be having a bad day or something will happen and I'll forget. I will just, it'll slip out of my mind. I will forget that 
my Savior died for me so I could have this hope for the future. And I get so wrapped up and focused on what I'm dealing with instead of the things that, the joy that I have now. My wife sent me something this morning and it said, I hope I'm not butchering it, the pain, not to focus on the pain that we see now, but on the joy that we already have in Christ. <laughs> she just sent that to me last night. Uh, she just texted it to me. I, and it just fits so well with what we're saying right now. This is it. Right? Like, we are loved so much that we are given this gift that we didn't do anything to earn. And that's where we have to focus. That's where we have to put our faith, especially when crazy things happen in life, bad things happen. It's going to happen. It will happen. And just remember that, that that is where our hope lies. Not in my own skill, not in my spouse, not in my secure job or my bank account or my friends or my support system. It's in Jesus. So we live in this fallen world. It's fallen, it's tainted by sin. And life on this earth is not easy. People aren't easy. Relationships aren't easy. And sometimes it's just downright hard. There's been times where I've, you know, I'm sure everybody's had this, where you go to bed, something bad has happened, you've gone to bed, you wake up the next day, and you don't want to get up because you know the thing that happened the day before is still there. You're going to have to deal with it. And life is just hard. And so, like I said before, it's going to happen. It's a given. And Jesus reminds us of that. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he's talking to his disciples before his uh, crucifixion. And he just got done, like, kind of encouraging them and telling them um, some very awesome truths. And he says to them, I've had said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I mean, we read that, right? We go through John and we, we read that passage and we're like, oh, that's cool. That gives me, you know, a little bit of encouragement. That's neat that Jesus said that. But really think about it. Let that soak in. I'm going to read it again. And I want you to really think about it. I have said these things to you that you may have peace. In this world you have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This is what Peter is saying. That that's where your hope should be. Rejoice. Because Christ has overcome the world. He's given you this hope for the future. We have hope that other people don't, that we understand that our Savior died for us so that we can 
have an eternal life. So as we leave here today, just remember that trials and hardship will come, for sure. But God in his sovereign grace uses those times of pain to draw us closer to him. The true author and perfecter of our hope, Jesus Christ. These things are not to tear us down. They're not to break us or wear us down. But to draw us into a deeper faith. A stronger faith and a deeper abiding trust in him. So this week, as our uh, little challenge here, let us all take some time this week and read Romans chapter 5. Very encouraging chapter in the Bible. And then uh, in your prayer time this week, if you could pray uh, that God will remind us of himself and the hope we have in him whenever we stumble or hit a roadblock. Um, and then also for the connection part, make sure if you could reach out to somebody. Take some time. Call somebody. And share with them a time that you struggled. And you went through the valley. And you went through the other side and you looked back. And you saw God's faithfulness. Take some time to do that this week and encourage one another. Uh, please pray with me. Lord God, the love and the hope that we have in you is unspeakable, glorious, and awesome. As we leave here, remind us that it is you is our true source of hope. That when we go through something, that you're not being mean. And you're not trying to, and life is just not trying to tear us down. But that you and your sovereignty are there. You're, in us, you're with us through the light and the dark. And we thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, who we have hope in. Lord, uh, just bless everybody here. Remind them of that this week as they go through their day today. In your son's holy and precious name, amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Sam here. Thanks for joining us for a Sunday sermon. If you're interested in more of the sermons from this series or some of our past sermon series that we've done, you can find them at discovercommunity.org under the sermon file. Uh, otherwise, you can subscribe to this channel to make sure you stay up to date on all our content. Thanks for joining us.